Hey everyone, welcome to the True Survivor series of the LVM podcast. During the series, we learn that behind every true crime story is a true loss, true grief, and a true survivor. As this is our first episode of the series, please welcome our first guest, Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Um, thank you um, for actually doing this with me. Um, fun fact to everyone out there is that Nikki was the first person who actually reached out to me um, on this page. And, you know, it's an honor to also have her as like the first guest on the series. Obviously, you know, we know why you're here um, as we both are survivors of homicide victims. Um, please let me know. Like, please tell us about your story, about your person. Um, well, my person is my, my younger brother, Alex. Um, he was 26 for less than a week when he was killed. Um, it was by someone he knew. It was by a friend. Um, the, I think some of the most difficult aspects of that loss is also that he was missing for five days before his, his body was discovered. So there was a five-day period where we didn't know where he was. Um, and then there was, you know, uh, detectives involved looking for him uh, until his body was discovered by someone walking their dog in the woods. My brother was, you know, a complicated person and he it was a lot of fun, um, but he was always kind of like drawn to more risky activities and I, mm-hmm. sometimes I don't think that he always had the best judgment with people he hung out with or surrounded himself with and a lot, because he was an adult, a lot of it we, we didn't know everybody. Um, that he spent his time with. So um, during that week that he was missing, it was also my mom's birthday, and him and my mom are very, very mm-hmm. close. So when we he, we didn't hear from him on her birthday, we knew that you know something had happened, most likely fatal. Um, so, but I think it was two days. Her birthday was on a Thursday, and then two days later is when his body was found. Um, mm-hmm. I remember that Friday. My dad had all of us, uh, including my uncle, uh, split up a list of hospitals to call to see if he had been brought in anywhere. Um, He was calling a lot of Alex's friends. Uh, I think kind of one of the creepier aspects of that is that he actually spoke to the friends who had killed him. Right, okay. um, Yeah, so he, the friends like, oh, I haven't seen him, I didn't take him. You know, I didn't see him that morning, even though they worked together that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so he seemed to be upset about it, but that was like very contrary to the person that we like later saw during sentencing, and certainly um, that I have gotten accounts of from his sister and things mm-hmm. like that. So it was um, kind of odd. I don't know if it was some sort of, I don't know facade he was putting on to feign concern Mm -hmm. or that maybe he was scared of being caught or something like that but anyways whatever you know um despair that he displayed in that conversation was really not consistent with the kind of person he was um he was caught right away his also his wife had turned him in the same day that they found my brother's body so his wife had known about it for five days but was waiting for an opportunity to go to the police because she was actually like afraid of him so um she um took out a restraining order the day that she turned him in so he was taken in right away it wasn't like a question where they were i know some families which is horrible go a long time not knowing who did this or there's no suspect or it's still unsolved um that Mm -hmm. was one thing we did have right away um, after my brother's body was found as they had brought someone into custody right away. Uh, I believe he wasn't given bail, so he stayed there until um, basically he took a plea bargain until sentencing. Okay. Well, I mean, it's really great to know that, you know, he was, he has taken accountability for what he has done. And I mean, you know, homicide is definitely a different type of death and it is, considered you know a violent death of course how has this you know affected your grief journey and you know like trying to like quote unquote like cope um with him passing to homicide um 
I don't, it changes. I mean, that's the mm. only way I can really say it. Um, you know, him and I both, my brother and I, I'm talking about, like, both were always interested in more, like, violent movies and things like that. And he was always, like, a true crime, you know, aficionado. He loved, like, mm-hmm. watching things like that. So, right. um, for the most part, I can still watch um, movies like that. Um, I think there's certain times that it's a little bit triggering for me. One of the uh, movies that were triggering was particularly triggering for me was um, a movie where a friend did kill and shoot them in the head, which is exactly what my brother's circumstance right. was. So um, something like that. But for the most part, um, I am still able to like consistently um, mm-hmm. watch things that are of interest to me uh, immediately after I did take a break um, also my background was in conflict analysis and resolution and I studied violence and it was really difficult mm-hmm. after that to kind of like dive into what you know I had dedicated so many years of like my schooling to do um, right. I had taken a break I thought I was going to go into like research but like a medical end of it Um, Mm -hmm. But eventually got back into what I study and found that it has been um, like almost a gift to have some sort of different kind of insight that many people don't have. Um, Maybe the sensitivities I do have is around like, um, I don't know, when people use um, murder in like that term in a loose way um yeah where i know the definition of what murder is and certainly in my circumstance like it was very clear that it was a murder one it was planned out mm-hmm. the night before it was in the commission of a felony things like that and people seem to use that word very loosely right um when it comes to like certain circumstances so um i found that a little triggering um but for the most part i've always tried to like turn the experience into something different I think I'm more accepting over different things different circumstances different people's stories um Mm -hmm. empathetic so um it's it has changed me in different ways but um some things are more triggering and some things I'm more understanding about yeah no I mean it's a good point that you bring up because when my mother you know recently when she passed like during that time I also went through like a weird moment of like little things would trigger me that wouldn't before because I definitely loved watching like crime shows and you know I still do like time to time but then like it kind of changes your perspective you know from you know oh this is just like a random character on the show to like oh this is kind of like what our loved ones went through you know so it definitely like gives you a different perspective on like what survivors really are going through so, oh, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. I was kind of surprised to find, so I, my, my, my mom, my sister's never been interested in those kind of shows. My dad, mm-hmm. um, only watched certain shows after that, mostly not. And I was surprised to find that my mom watches, um, okay. shows because it's such like a big, like people are fascinated by it and there's right. such a big, so many shows on homicide. Yeah. Um, I strangely, and I was talking to my mom about this, like, couple of weeks ago um, about her ability to watch it and how I still do and I said that sometimes it could be triggering but strangely most of the time I actually this is going to sound so strange find some sort of comfort in it because I'm always Mm -hmm. I'm like oh it doesn't it didn't just happen to me and my family like this stuff like people I don't feel so isolated Um, sometimes when I watch shows and I also you know sometimes I enjoy seeing the family members talk on them mm-hmm. too because sometimes yeah. their experiences mimic mine and it it, mm-hmm. it does sometimes give a source of comfort so like I'm saying it's it could be extremes and it also depends on like what I'm feeling that day what kind of mood yeah, I'm for in sure. but definitely like it, it strangely does um you know make me feel not so alone sometimes yeah you know which is like i think that's like one of the good things about like certain crime shows like they do a good job of like um showcasing like the survivors and like the families and what they go through and then but then there's also like certain areas where they don't do it as well but you know going into like the whole 
like comfort and support system like how was your support um during that time like in the beginning were you able to seek any type of support group or like counseling or anything like that yeah um we were assigned a victim's advocate right away through um the court system where i'm from on long island um i still Mm -hmm. actually stay in touch with our victim's advocate um but i had a reaction where i was like in such shock um where i was not eating for a little bit so um while i wasn't like ready to talk about it in terms of like a Mm -hmm. one-on-one counseling session um i just was i didn't even know what i would say she our victim's advocate had actually suggested um a support group which was called compassionate friends um Mm -hmm. it's mostly for parents who lost children in all kinds of manners um and then because I was living in uh, New York City, Manhattan at the time, it was a bigger support group, and we did have a siblings um, chapter within mm-hmm. that. So how it would work, we would all be in a circle and talk about like who we lost. It was like an introduction, and then welcome anyone who was new. And mm-hmm. then the siblings would go off um, and talk separately from the parents. A lot of people also like had their parents with them there, too. Okay. Um, yeah, so I in that respect, it was like a nice a nice attribute. Um, I tried to get my dad and sister to come, but it was a little too far from them, and my mom was living out of state at the time, so that wasn't even an option. But okay. um, I found that helpful just listening at the time to some people's, you know, different experiences with their losses and how they were able to articulate it. But at the same time, I also felt like, I was definitely the only, and New York City is a huge place. There's so many different yeah. people. And even with that being said, um, I was still the only one who had a homicide loss in there. Wow. Um, I remember even being like self-conscious about how I did the introduction because most people would say, oh, you know, my sibling or, you know, my sister died, my sister passed, my son passed. And I was like, my, right. my brother didn't like pass. Like, right, right. Was, so I was like, I, you know, and I also didn't feel like, oh, he died. Um, and a lot of people did give the reason, too. So mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like I could just say, like, he was a victim. And I, and I tried out different ways. Like, my brother mm-hmm. was a victim of homicide. My brother was murdered. My brother was killed. But, you know, right. like, so I tried to figure out what was right. And I could tell you from this day, and it's going on six years now, like, when I say it, I still don't have, like, yeah. the right wording for it right um so it, i'm still like trying to figure out how i kind of like introduce that and what words i use for it i'm just very conscientious of it and it's not always like for me it's sometimes like i like yeah. other people's reactions right. um yeah so th- even something simple like that where it's very routine like you do that in compassionate friends where you go around and, and introduce like that was sort of a struggle for me as well. Um, and then, you know, also in terms of what some other people were talking about in the group, like was more the grieving process mm-hmm. and cycles they went through. And I was certainly was experiencing that too, but at the time, um, my situation wasn't over. Like there was going to be either a trial or a plea. So like I had okay. still like residual things that were going on that was associated with my brother's death that was like a little more complicated and not to minimize what they were going through but like it was a little more complicated like I didn't feel like I was in that grieving process yet because some things were still pending so yeah um, yeah I didn't so that part was a little more difficult too uh they were helpful there was a the people there were lovely. There was as supportive as could be. You know, if I mm-hmm. said something, they tried to help me with, you know, work through it. But certainly it was not anything like any of them were experiencing with their losses. Um, and then I, I did go to only one meeting of parents of murdered children with okay. my mom. And they welcomed siblings. Um and they really welcome people actually with all losses because it's part of their Facebook group for a while. Right. Um, I mean, not all losses, I'm sorry, all like relations to the person loss. Okay. And okay. Um, I still didn't really like, 
I was the only sibling there. So um, it was a little difficult for me to kind of relate in the same way as the parents losing a child. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was like something on the, fa- I was part of the Facebook group and someone one day was kind of saying that like siblings didn't belong there and there was nothing like a parent losing a child and that's unexplainable. So that kind of turned me off. Um, it, it, it was separate. That was the Facebook group and that was, you know, everyone um, nationally yeah. like, through the country. It wasn't necessarily my chapter, mm-hmm. so it's not their, it wasn't their fault. It was just someone right. obviously in a lot of pain that was saying some things that were, you know, right. distressing and people to others. So, um, I kind of just got a little turned off. So I, in basically I never really found like quite the right place, mm-hmm. um, in terms of that. And then with therapy, uh, I mean, I only went briefly during the time where leading up to the sentencing because I wanted help on how to like verbalize what I wanted to say. Right. Um, so that was about four months, but I even, even at that, I felt like the therapist like didn't know how to handle something quite like that. I think, um, she was lovely. She had some ideas, but it was like a little bit beyond her scope. I mean, probably in retrospect, mm-hmm. maybe I should have gone specifically for like grief counseling or something oh, yeah. like that. Um, but, and maybe I will in, in the future. I just, okay. you know, try other outlets, um, you know, speaking to other people, finding my own people who've had certain mm-hmm. experiences, um, you know, starting scholarship and, you know, my brother's, right. And, and stuff like that so um yeah there's not really like a good fit for i feel like homicide survivors and their families yeah i mean you know and especially since like for siblings specifically you know even like in the grief community in general you know i've seen that a lot of people don't like to talk about the siblings as much because they always focus on the parents more and yeah. you know and it's unfair to say that someone feels the grief more than the other because you know every experience is different so you know that person was definitely going through their own thing but i still think that's unfair for them to say in the first place um yeah but i mean i, mean, I think was, yeah no go ahead it, it, i think that that's very common with like even with the compassionate friends group the siblings group at least that was one thing we all seemed to like agree on okay that, yeah um definitely like parents like when they lose a child it's considered you know the most horrible thing ever right and it's what about the siblings who like because it's unnatural but it's also unnatural that you don't like grow old with your siblings too it's like at right one point like this person that you grew up with that you're close in age with their life stops and yours just continues like that's right an odd thing to past as well um yeah. so uh, that was one thing that everyone could pretty much um, agree on in the group and all had similar experiences. Were you able to ever, like, meet anyone, like, within those few years of, um, that's actually, was a sibling and had their, like, our sibling um, die from homicide? Um, I was able to, so I had moved and I was no longer within New York City. I moved a little north. So it wound okay. up being um, a different chapter. But it was during um, COVID and, and they had not gone back into wherever they were meeting. I believe it was a church, but I, I never actually went there. Um, mm-hmm. So the person that was in charge of the chapter in where my new location had put me in touch with two uh, sisters. It was two women and they lived close to me um, and they lost their other sister to homicide. Um, so she was very, the person who put me in touch with these women obviously was like very conscientious of the fact that, you know, we were siblings and had like maybe a, mm-hmm. a unique experience with it being, right. um, you know, a murder case as opposed to anything else. Um, and I had connected with the two, the two sisters and, um, there are a lot of parallels. Uh, their sister was missing for a little bit too, found outside, um, Theirs was found in a park. My my brother was found in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did mention that um, the person who did it, his friends, was apprehended, did a sentencing, but 
Right. It's a little more complicated. Six months into his sentence, he did commit suicide, so he's no longer living. Right. Okay. That part's done. Like, I, and you know, that's I don't have to show up parole hearings, things like that, which I mm. that was very like daunting for me to like think about that far in advance and it was something that I was going to have to do for the rest of my life um so these siblings it was actually their the their brother-in-law that killed his wife their sister oh wow and he had committed yeah so um committed suicide right after so that was another thing that we had in common the only thing that was different Mm -hmm. it was right and apprehended it wasn't he didn't have been, like given that time he did it right away mm-hmm. so we have things in common in that regard um and that's probably to be honest like the um best connection in terms of like aspects of our experiences that we had uh, mm-hmm. i've had in common with another another person so that yeah. connection and that was and that was through a support group that we were connected okay. so um that was helpful. It just took a while. I think it was this time last year I was connected with them. So it would have been five years, five years. It was five years into after losing my brother that I was connected with okay. another, um, other individuals that I felt had a very similar experience to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's like, I mean, I don't know if it's ironic or anything, but it's just like a good thing, you know, that you were able to at least connect with someone, um, you know, within your own I guess group I would say um to relate yeah. with um I mean you know personally for me you know I haven't I guess the difference between I maybe it's like where I'm located I don't know but nobody like actually came up to like say oh there's these groups you can go to here talk to this person it was kind of like I had to keep pushing pushing and moving on so I mean that's a, a really good aspect to that and you know um oh and like coming back to um I mean, it's up to you if you want to talk about this. I don't know if you want to mention this or not. Um, but, you know, you did say that your brother's um, killer what did commit suicide. Um, did you want to talk about or, like, mention any, like, about how that has affected um, your process of grieving or or coping with yeah, anything? Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, that was another very like interesting and strange twist in this um i remember the day it happened i had like a really busy day it was right after um thanksgiving weekend 2017 um so like i said it was really and we went to the sentencing may 23rd 2017 and thanksgiving that year was november 23rd 2017 so it was literally like six months later um Mm -hmm. i was my my dad called and I was in between I had like a million I was you know I, I teach I'm a, I'm a teacher I went to do this after school activity that I was doing at the time and then at night I had another obligation a professional development and I remember like my dad called me in between um before I was going to the professional development asked me if I was home and if I had a minute to talk and he let me know that this person had committed suicide that um apparently his cellmate went downstairs to eat something and mm-hmm. came back and, and hung himself in his cell. Um, and the person that reached out to tell him before someone official contacted him was the, the person, his, his, his sister, his estranged sister who had not spoken to him before that for four years um, because of his behavior. So that's what I was saying. Like mm-hmm. this, kind of violence and she I did connect with her after that because I wanted to speak with her she seemed very kind and empathetic and uh, to my dad and I am through my work um, a practitioner of restorative justice so to me I thought it would be interesting to open up dialogue and she is like the sweetest person Um, she said that she hesitated reaching out to us because she didn't know how Mm. it would be received but right, that yeah. she wanted to deliver us that news um, herself. And, um, you know, through that, I, I did stay in contact with her over the years. But she, went, you know, told me, she's like, if you and your family ever have any questions or if there's anything I can do, please, you know, let me know. Um, but she, they apparently did not, you know, claim his body or anything like that. He was, he was... Um, buried in like a unclaimed uh, cemetery for prisoners um, yeah. so 
they he didn't he didn't have any kind of support for what he did like his family did not right but she had told me which was interesting she's like you know i tried to get him help when we were younger um Mm. she's like but i always knew that he was going to hurt someone or himself and he wound up doing both so um Mm. i just feel like maybe there were some failings in the system with that as well yeah um that some of the stuff could have been prevented if the family members telling you like you know telling you know mental health professionals or something Mm -hmm. like that i fear for this and you know due to laws and things like that like nothing can be done and then something did happen and by that time it's too late so that was you know that went through my mind i felt bad for my dad um he had just said like you know the whole thing was just so violent from beginning to end yeah um so i think it did provide a lot of closure for my family but it just Mm -hmm. you know at the same time added an element that like almost overcomplicated things um but also at the same time made it easier because we don't have the burden of you know appearing at parole hearings or anything like that which at some point was going to be all on my sister and i because my parents, I, you know, are at some point are not going to be here. Um, so that would fall on us. And I just remember like, it's going to be a long life having to do this. Like I, you know, I'm going to meet people and I'm going to have to explain to them that every two years I need to go do this. And, um, I just remember like a very like dark cloud coming over Mm. me after the sentencing, thinking about this responsibility that I'm going to have because, I was actually the same exact age as the person that killed him. So for us, you know, we were probably going to have a very similar lifespan if something didn't happen to either one of us. Um, So, yeah, it it was complicated. It was, but also a sense of relief at the same time. Um, But it's also odd now. It's almost like there's not much else. It's like concluded you know, um, in a very short amount of time in the span of a year and a half. Um, but there's some aspects we just won't ever know. I mean, I've read the police report. I've mm-hmm. gone to the area multiple times where my, my brother lost his life. And okay. there's still a lot of questions I have about what happened that day. And now the only two people who would ever know yeah. um, are not here. So that's an issue, too, when he expects... Um, Except the plea bargain, I always thought that sometimes they, you know, allocate, so they they tell part, they have to tell what happens, because okay. you're admitting you're guilty, right. and I, I wanted him to, like, tell, explain right. what happened that day, and yeah. it wasn't, we didn't get that, so that was a little wow. disappointing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, it yeah, was no. like, an interesting twist in, in it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, you know, like, that definitely, like, cuts off a part of, like... Like, you never get any type of closure because, you know, what they did is, like, ridiculous. Like, why? You know? But it's just... Yeah. You know, it's just, like, something else that would add to, like, okay, like, an understanding, almost, as to the whole story. I mean, you never Mm -hmm. understand, like, why they did it, but... You don't get closure for the loss, but you get closure of, like, almost the events that transpired Mm -hmm. and the fact that perhaps it's ended and there's not going to be another event like associated with that unless there's Mm -hmm. some twist i don't know i'm just saying but from the way we understand that there's certainly not going to be anything else um we are my mom's currently like having a difficulty like they still have some of my brother's belongings and i try to help her get them back right now yeah they're like well we don't know what if there's a you know an appeal and i'm like nobody's I mean, here there's yeah. i don't know why you still need this stuff it happened six years ago wow. and there's no there's nobody that's going to appeal it um so that's kind of odd too just like learning a little bit more about like how the criminal justice system works that there's all yeah. these barriers even with that being said like you know his killer has been gone now for what would it be four and a half years mm-hmm. like I don't know why they're still holding on to some of these things, but we're even having yeah. some difficulty at this point getting getting his belongings. So that's also a little, I mean, a little odd and some insight into, like, how things work. Right. I mean, that's an important, like, part that you bring up because even my mother's belongings is still with them. I mean, we haven't technically, like, 
done the effort to reach out to see if we can get it back but um you know she's still like they still have her wedding ring or like her cell phone and like a bunch of other things you know that we I don't have I feel like have. it's a little unsettling that like your loved one's belongings are still out there and yeah you know, so. it is it's weird <laughs> like I my I remember my father was talking about it like a few months ago saying like you know I haven't even like received any received any of any of those things like especially like her ring because you know that's something that he got her like specifically so it's like also like another aspect to it that like kind of remains opened and like you just kind of want to finish it and have it complete so you can just yeah. have everything together absolutely that's kind of yeah. like i think another part of it that like brings it all home like to actually have yeah. the belongings still. so right. it's a very complicated like the process of why they hold on to certain things and i don't know <laughs> yeah you yeah, know of course and i know that you mentioned like you kind of have a background in um in like criminal like crime and stuff um, I mean, you know, nothing ever, like, prepares you for, like, what is to happen to our loved ones, but, um, is there anything that you could share about, um, how, like, this provided you a different perspective as to what happened to Alex? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of somewhat had expectations of how things were gonna go. I knew that if he took a plea bargain, there was not, his forfeits the chance to have an appeal I know that's like that in New York State I don't know if it's like that other places so that was comforting um okay. but I guess going through like the motions of things that like I already knew about mm -hmm. and the process was like a little surreal mm -hmm. um you know it's I taught a law class um like a, a college level law class and like the mm -hmm. insight I was able to on some things um what i guess was a little bit of a different perspective and maybe like if someone else taught that class like their what they would emphasize and what you know chapters or issues that they would spend more time on would be completely different than my own but because i you know experienced a lot of it i was able to go more in depth right um, yeah with some of the things and topics uh -huh. um i don't think there was like ever an issue uh, where anything that I was doing became like too sensitive but mm -hmm. um, I certainly was like able to it helped me like I always am constantly learning um, too and a lot of times I'm like mm -hmm. oh that's interesting that applies to Alex's okay. case that Alex, yeah. Alex's circumstance so um, that aspect has been like really helpful um, but yeah I, I mean I've always been that's kind of been my passion and then also yeah. i had the um backgrounds in restorative justice which i teach a class right. now a heavy emphasis and um i tell them about the process and I, it's interesting during that class i never bring up my own experiences i don't know mm -hmm. if it's helpful or sometimes i just don't know like yeah. if it seems like i'm like have somewhat of an agenda so i don't mm -hmm. sometimes say that i you know, I've experienced some of this and I practice restorative justice and I stay in contact with, you know, people from the opposite side or anything like that. Right. Um, because I just, I do want it, although I have like a lot of knowledge on the subject, I still do want it to remain neutral the way I'm. Yeah, like, of course. Information. So it's not been something that I've ever, you know, told any of my classes um mm. and these are in this is a college level class so these are adults right yeah um, and i don't yeah um but i, it, I mean i don't blame you i mean like that's just like a part of your life i mean technically i feel like when it comes to our story like it's kind of out there but like you don't want to just actually just tell them straight like oh i understand this from like a personal level so you yeah know, i get what you're saying yeah strangely um, but, enough it's like sorry go ahead go ahead no, you got it. I was going to say, strangely enough, because I teach, like, younger students as well. Mm -hmm. um, they're very big on Google. Yeah. So they <laughs> me, they know about sometimes because they've seen, like, an article on, you right. know, me the sentencing. So right, sometimes right. I have to have discussions with them about it, um, which I, I, you know, and I've taught um, sixth grade and up. And mm -hmm. I have to say, like, a 
I have never had an experience where they've been any kind of like disrespectful or an issue. And a lot of times I do have to ask the principal if it's like, okay. Oh and yeah. Yeah. They're usually very, they're like, no, it's more if it's okay for you. Like if they're not right. asking any questions that make you okay. uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so for interestingly enough, like with the younger groups that I sometimes teach, I more have like a discussion with them about it because a lot of mm -hmm. times they, they, they come across it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, that's, all, yeah, like you said, that's just, like, another aspect of, like, our yeah. loss in a way because it's always out there and anyone could technically just look it up. Um, but, you know, like, I want to go more further into, like, restorative justice. Like, for those that may not actually know what it is, um, could you, like, kind of explain what it is and how, like, you know, that's helped you or is, like, a part of your life? Yeah, um, restorative justice is used in, like, a lot of different circumstances, but, mm -hmm. um, the part that I'm really interested in is like in times of crime, um, a way to restore justice because they have found that the standard criminal justice system does not always f restore justice. Um, it, the sentencing, right. putting someone away is supposed to be justice, but it's not restored mm -hmm. a lot of times in families yeah. and individuals. Yeah. So um, a lot of times, you know, if both parties are willing, um, the victim and the perpetrator will like meet and have a discussion um, so they could kind of talk things out. Um, right. It helps both um, sides understand, like understand what you took away from someone and the other person sometimes have a, has a new understanding of like why this happened, you know, what was going through your mind that day, things like that. Um, I actually did not meet with um, my brother's killer, but mm -hmm. I have a lot of discussions with his sister, which is, you know, a, was a close family member, certainly not anymore, um, mm -hmm. or hadn't been for quite a few years. So um, I was not opposed to that because I was familiar with that process. It doesn't mm -hmm. always work that way for everybody. A lot of times yeah. both parties are not willing. Uh, one party's not willing. Um, it doesn't go smoothly. So again, it's, it's something that has to be right for everyone involved. Um, some people feel, and there's, um, a school of thought that you meet once and then never again. Some people, you know, um, meet, uh, over and over again. I know there was like a case that, um, I actually taught about in one of my classes, um, mm -hmm. where, the grandfather of someone who killed another young boy and his father used to get together and um, go to schools and speak about like violence and preventing crime and things like that and showing about like the power of forgiveness and moving forward in some yeah. sort of positive way to help others. So right. um, I, like I said, I was already familiar with this um, kind of yeah. squat before this happened so it wasn't like yeah. a difficult stretch for me but certainly I think that for some other people they were like I don't want anything to do with that person their family this and I respect all like it's not for everybody it's absolutely not for everybody but like I said I you know I, I was introduced to it and understood how it works so I was open to it when my came, my turn came to actually like almost practice what I preach so mm -hmm. um and I can't say that anything negative has come out of it or there's any sort of regrets or anything like that. I think, um, you know, like having, and I'm someone who like does need to have a deeper understanding about things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom always said like, I, the way I process things are more like tangible. Mm -hmm. Like I need okay. to see things. I need to talk yeah. about, you know, like have a conversation. Yeah. Sometimes people process things are more emotional, like they're going through things on their own. So um, mm -hmm. that's why for me it made sense um, to to go that route. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, it's an interesting like. I mean, I never personally in my like experience, I've never actually you know heard of restorative justice or even knew like. I guess. I mean, I guess I knew like families could meet like you know the person who committed the crime and and whatnot but you like it was never really brought up to like me to actually like even consider that so like when you were talking about it it really like it was like an, an idea like in the back of my head like you know maybe that's something I should also like do like later on and 
probably I plan on doing it. I mean, personally for me, like the guy that committed the crime, there's like a language barrier, so I don't know if I would like have to get like a translator or something. They would provide that. That's definitely okay. Um, if he's willing to meet, um, a lot of systems like provide something like that. There's groups okay. that facilitate. Like you're not like alone, alone with this right, person. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely like an agreement made. Okay. Like. You know, like, in our, so there's groups that facilitate. It's not usually something mm-hmm. that, like, you initiate on your own. Um, if you okay. want, you can, but, like, most people don't really choose to go that route. Um, and sometimes the person you reaching out there, they think it's, like, like a setup or, like, don't know what to make mm. of it or anything like that if you're yeah. just doing it on your own. Yeah. But it's something, you know, it's something to explore and um, certainly whatever you're comfortable with and whatever the other person's comfortable with, that's why it's kind of almost like a mediator and facilitator that could help. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah, it's boring because, you know, every person's different. Like, some people may go there to, like, try to, like, yell at them or, like, beat them up or something. You obviously don't want that happening, but, um, you know, I definitely think it's, you know, important for, like, people like you, like, who said, like, they need something tangible to actually, like, you know, to get a better understanding. Um, it's definitely, like, a good, um, part to, like, dive into. Um, so, like, I mean, I was supposed to, like, mention this before, but I forgot. Um, like, regarding support, um, I know you, like, had support groups and, um, whatnot. Like, how has, like, your family been together? Like, how, how do you, like, are you able to, like, talk to each other about it or, like, support each other? Were you able to do that, like, throughout the years? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we usually always get together for his birthday and his death anniversary, which is, like, six days apart. So that's always, mm-hmm. like, a rough week. Um, yeah. But also, at the same point, like, we did all deal with things differently. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like, my dad and sister went one route uh, my mom and I went another in terms mm-hmm. of like things we put a focus on um like I my brother did have a, a substance abuse problem but at the time of his mm-hmm. death he was clean so while mm-hmm. to me that was just like one element of who he was and what he was struggling with at the time yeah. but to me it wasn't mm-hmm. like who he was right who he was was someone who um you know, didn't really, since he was a young kid, have a concept of, like, consequences or Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, things didn't scare him easily. Um, You know, when I went to the place where he was found, which he willingly went to, I was like, I would never in a million years, like, ever go somewhere like here. I don't even know why he was comfortable being over here. (laughs) Um, So that's what I'm saying. Like, that's more who he was, where he took certain Mm -hmm. chances. Yeah. And so that's kind of stuff is, like, Mm-hmm. what be kind of what I wanted him to remember mm-hmm. be remembered as and um, not necessarily his addiction issues yeah no of course I mean that's a another like really important part that you bring up because a lot of like cases that do like involve like drugs or like gangs or anything like in that um, category people are afraid to talk about their loved one because they feel like others will be like oh, well, they deserved it, or, like, they did all these, so, like, they kind of asked for it, but, like, that's not, that has nothing to do with it, you know, yeah. um, like, your brother was, like, a person, and, like, like, everyone always deals with their own problems, like, you know, or, like, their own demons, kind of, like, you want to call it, um, like, that's just something separate from, like, what happened to him, like, the person, like, what happened to him is, like, the killer's fault, like, he's the one to blame for anything, not, like, what your brother, like, was going through, so, like, that's yeah. something that a lot of people do need to understand. Parts of his personality besides mm-hmm. his, like, you know, battle with substance addiction that was mm-hmm. stuff that I remember. Not necessarily, like, how, what kind of issues he had with this drug or mm-hmm. that drug or, you right. know, journey with that is not, it's not important to me right now yeah. at all. Yeah, um, so, of course. So, I'm saying, like, some of our family, um, my mom and I have, like, more of that kind of school of thought. Um, okay. So, there's just... A little bit of like a disconnect with that like what we choose mm-hmm. to honor like I mentioned we have like this memorial fund I do scholarships yeah for students because I'm a teacher and like I see when I'm teaching like certain attributes of certain students that are very similar to mm-hmm. my brother and you know I want them to get to the next level because I was teaching middle school so it'd be a scholarship for high school a lot of them yeah. went to private high schools um 
but you know when some of my other family members would want to donate money towards certain causes in my brother's name it was always had something to do with substance abuse and that really wasn't okay. I mean, that really wasn't I certainly played some sort of a role but that wasn't like who he was yeah. and certainly not right to be remembered for of course yeah I mean that's a really great way to like honor someone and especially you know and a great way to honor your brother um so you know, I'm glad you were able to, like, do that um, in your journey because I feel like a lot of people kind of have a trouble, like, some type of, they have trouble, like, figuring out how to honor their loved ones. So, I mean, that's, like, a great, you know, thing to recommend to others that may be, like, thinking about how they should honor their loved ones. Um, when it comes to, like, support work with, like, others, like, outside, like, friends or, like, strangers, like, how did they kind of take, you know your loss i've um, never had an issue um there's never okay. been like anything really anyone said that was incredibly inappropriate or like mm -hmm. out of line or anything like that um everyone i've met but I, I think i told you this initially when this happened to me um i lost my brother when i was 30 so i was already a little mm -hmm. older so the people yeah. that i meet you know i've already had mm -hmm. certain life experiences where i feel like they've been a little more empathetic about things mm -hmm. um you know, I don't know what my, and I know you were younger when you lost your mother. Like, I don't know what my experience would have been if I was like a teenager mm -hmm. or something like that. And they're, right, right. you know, people don't know how to handle reactions, like their faces towards that, you know, yeah. as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So I yeah. just felt like because I was a little older when it happened and I always had okay. really good people around me. Um, I've never had anything really like inappropriate happen and, and everyone, you know, friends always check in on me around that time of year um you know I, I i can't say i can't say that there's ever been an issue i've never had anything that i that stands out to me mm -hmm. as uh, something that you know i didn't yeah. feel like i was supported or neglected or anything like that i mean that's good to know like you know that just shows that people have the capability to be mature and respond like in a yeah. proper way to you know homicide loss because you know with the other survivors that like some of them that I've spoken with, like you know they haven't received that same response in return. So, I mean, I guess you know that it's just, like some type of hope for you know others. Um, in a yeah, way. Yeah. No, I understand. I've heard you know some uh, with loss in general. I think some people don't know how to react yeah, to certain things, definitely. and they say something because they're uncomfortable. That's like out of line or off color or something like that, and. Um, I, it is a touch. I could say, like, even with my loss, when someone loses someone, I always don't know what to say. And I've experienced yeah. loss a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's something you get better at or something that you innately have where you have the right words to things. Um, but it happens. It's, um, I don't know, it's it's tricky. And I, I think that, yeah. you know. For you know, right for sure. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get used to like talking about it or like talking to others because it's like everyone takes it in differently. So it's like I don't yeah. know like what is going to upset someone or may sound offensive. So it's like it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and people can take anything offensively. Sometimes, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm praying for you. They'll be like, I don't pray. Or like if they say, <laughs> if you say they're in a better place, like, I don't right. know. Yeah. Offensively, so sometimes it really is hard to find the right words yeah. that like would be comforting to that person and not, you know, upset them or, or do anything to disrupt anything. So of course, it, yeah, it's difficult to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, do you have any like advice or recommendations for like other survivors, like with their you know grief journey or like if they just kind of like in a place where they just don't really understand or know? Um. I mean, my biggest thing is, like, I remember, I mean, I had lost, before my brother, I just had lost my grandpa, and it was from okay. old age, so, like, I didn't really mm -hmm. go through a process before that, but I remember, you know, people trying to explain to me that, like, seven stages of grief or whatever that, it, like, mm. it is never like that. It does not go yeah. like that. You don't go through stages like that, like it is different it is all over the place it can be messy one day you're fine one day you're not so i just think that people need to give themselves like a little more credit and especially with something like homicide where like yeah it ebbs and flows like even the way you know i told you in the very beginning like some days i can watch stuff some days i can't yeah. some days like i'm really interested it's just it's never straight line with it and i just think that people need to like 
there's people who have someone in their life who lost someone, especially in, to, in a violent way, and people who have lost something, someone, like, never just think that you're going to go through a process and you're going to come out and it's going to be okay. Like, it's... Yeah. Things pop up when you don't even realize, and things are triggers that you didn't even know were triggers until they happen. So that's right. my biggest, like, thing I probably learned from it. Yeah, no, that's so true, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I relate to that because, you know, I kind of avoided my grief, like, journey, I guess you would call it, for a while after my mom passed. And then it's like I knew what grief was, but then I didn't really have an understanding. And then when I started, like, researching grief, I'm just like, why is there, like, a bunch of stages? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, right? And then I'm like, wait, so am I in this stage or am I in the, you right. know what I mean? Like, and then I yeah. realized, like, this is not really how it is. <laughs> Yeah, like, you can start from, like, I guess the sixth stage, but then, like, you can go to the second and the third. Like, it's never, yeah. like... Or you no don't even have to thing. hit every single one. Yeah, like one exactly. Like, bargaining, like, please yeah. bring them back. I don't know if I ever right. went through something like that, you know what I mean? I don't mean? think like, I went through that. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, know when this was made but i don't i don't know many people who do but i certainly am right. like is something wrong when am i supposed to go through this stage right. and i didn't right. or something so i think yeah. that you know it's helpful to understand that some of the things that you're feeling as an outline mm -hmm. are normal but doesn't mean that it's like a checkbox that you need to go through each thing and then come out on the other side it's certainly not like that of course yeah how does um, early advantage apply to your life? Like, have you ever felt like your loss of losing your brother, like, put you at a disadvantage in life? Or, like, has anyone ever, like, taken, like, quote-unquote, uh, like, advantage of you because of your loss? No. Like, quite the opposite, I feel like. Um, mm -hmm. I do feel like I get a lot of respect because of the amount of things, like, I've been through. Yeah, um, of course. I don't really feel like taking advantage. I feel like it's almost, like you know, if anything, you're not going to get anything by me because I've yeah, seen a lot. Yeah, one's good. No, so yeah. I don't. I think it, it, it is more, has added, like, another layer to my character and who I am, mm -hmm. although I would do anything to have my brother back, but the experience, mm -hmm. I don't feel like is a disadvantage in some way or holds okay. me back. Um, I would say just certain things that are uh, little triggers or maybe what holds me back. And that's myself. I hold myself back okay. in that way. Right. Um, but I don't feel like the outside world. I feel like I do get like a lot of appreciation and respect for like the kind of things that I've been through and, you know, weathered. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't. Yeah, it, it could be somewhat of an advantage. Yeah, um, no, of course. That. Like, yeah, that's exactly what LVM Advantage is. It's like. I mean, we don't have to be put directly in a disadvantage, but, like, you know, we need to realize that, you know, we are able to bring ourselves out. You know, sometimes we are holding ourselves back, and, like, that is, like, your advantage, of course. Like, you yeah. yourself are your own advantage. So, yeah. I mean, I think that you bring up, like, a really great point, you know, especially with your, like, own journey. So, yeah. Uh, thank you guys for watching this video. Um, please join us in the next episode. Bye. Bye.